0: And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing,
1: and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose. And welcome to episode number three hundred and nine of this old marketing, recorded on February third, twenty twenty-two. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and you know, a guy who definitely knows the right Brian to text his congratulations to, Mister
0: Joe Polizzi.
1: That's 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 an inside football joke right there. That's that's you really got to be following along for that.
0: Okay, yeah, because you lost me right away. Yeah. Did I lose you? Oh, I thought you would have been paying attention to this. Which, which Brian? Are We talking about Brian Sype What are we talking? <laughs> which Brian are we talking about? Tell me. No, no, no. We are talking. Well, I- we're actually talking about
1: Bill Belichick, um, uh, and the NFL. And and if you haven't been following uh, Brian Flores, mm. who is the coach, well, ex coach of yes. the Miami Dolphins, um, basically is now suing um, the. NFL for he was interviewing for the New York Giants job okay and uh, and basically as it turns out the there is a rule in the NFL called the Rooney rule which basically says that you have to you know interview people of color Um, and it's kind of been you know you know I mean if, if we're all honest it's 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 always been sort of like yeah right you know it's okay you know sure you it's very very performative right you know in terms of what what's actually going on behind the scenes, but it, it, it's sort of like when oh there's gambling going on here shock um, yeah. when you know basically what happened was Belichick is this isn't the only thing but it was a main thing Belichick so Brian I'm forgetting his other last name uh, DeBoli. Uh, who is the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills? Got the job at uh, in, in the New York Giants, and Bil- Bill Belichick was t- texting congratulations and texted the wrong Brian, basically. <laughs> and, said, was, and
0: and and oh, ostensibly, I did not hear this. Okay, yeah, no wonder. Yeah, yeah. you were really Text up it, yeah. on your on your NFL news. Like you, well, you, you know, are, I... you are, you should have your own hey. podcast just on NFL shenanigans that well, it would be you know that there,
1: there's that uh the you know the the the, the sort of tr- the tragic clown with a tear running down his face that would be me <laughs> that would be the name of that because that's my life in the nfl would be like the tragic clown always talking about the cowboys until just right when it gets to the playoffs and then yeah sure i can regale you with the weird shenanigans going on in the nfl that have nothing to do with the team that i like so
0: no well you you and i were talking beforehand and and i and part of this whole thing is there's been a couple instances where teams have been um you know the the certain people through their teams and their owners under the bus for for losing on purpose and the bronze are in this mix and we don't have to get into the details but you and i talked about it to look at when this was from three or four years ago whatever and the their contention is that the Browns you know, purposely lost some games. I can tell you firsthand that that's impossible <laughs> because those teams were horrible uh, teams. So yeah. they didn't have to... I mean, maybe the will wasn't there, but we certainly didn't have the talent to, to yeah. be competitive... From the start that's of the chasing, game. that's chasing bad money after good I think is what that's called. I mean <laughs> like, let,
1: let's just you, you don't have to pay
0: me coach, you know, you don't have to pay me. We'll tank on our own. <laughs> let's just let's just uh, like run through the play by play of this happening. Let's say that in, in this case I think the coach was Hugh Jackson who is the that's coach right. for the Browns. Let's say that Jimmy Haslam, the owner, somehow got a note or talked to Hugh and said, "You know what? We we want a better draft status. We, you know, you don't have to win this game or, or why don't you lose this one?" He just laughs at right. <laughs> right that, that's right. Oh, sure. That's not going to be yeah. hard to do. You don't yeah. the people don't remember <laughs> right. that they were 0 and 16. Like yeah. how are you going to lose more than 0 and 16? Like like, <laughs> right. like I saw I can't remember what show this was. Um no, it was shoot, I was watching the the first Seinfeld ever when Kramer was Kessler and there was, there was an example and and George and Jerry are talking and they were talking about, is something ever too dry or too wet? No, it's just dry or wet. And and Jerry said, well, if somebody's dead and then you shoot the guy, he's not more dead. Like you can't be, (laughs) be more dead than dead. It's the same thing. You can't lose more. (laughs) <laughs> then you know, that you're not winning. Right? You're losing exactly. all of them. <laughs> so, right. so what do you expect? It's just, anyway, I think that's crazy. Now, with the other teams, maybe it happened, but I just can't believe it for my beloved Browns. So Yeah, you well, and Hugh you, you,
1: you has, like, no more Fs to give, right? I mean, if you haven't seen his Twitter rants, I mean, they've been, of late, they've been like, okay, all right,
0: all right, Hugh, <laughs> go have yourself another beer, you know, I think, I think we're still paying him. I, I, I really do. You may be. I, I yeah. think the Browns are still. I think there was a time two years ago when the Browns were paying like four head coaches at the same time. Oh, my so gosh. We can't. Yeah, we couldn't keep head coaches. We couldn't keep quarterbacks. That's why, as we've talked about, this season was so important because we actually had a head coach for a second year, and we had a quarterback for a third year in a row. This is a big deal in Cleveland, and I don't want that to change right now because they they didn't do as well as expected. So I'm hoping no. Yeah. We come back into continuity it. Continuity will be good. Yeah, continuity will be good for the Browns for sure.
1: Especially with the way that the whole season and uh, and and things are shaping up now, you know. I mean, <laughs> there I saw some statistic. So, you know, the big news of course is that Tom Brady is retiring. And sort of every other team that went ah, okay. We can at least chalk up one more win. In our season, basically, it, there was some some article that basically said all these teams that are due to play the Bucks next year are chalking it up. You know, okay, we got we we're now we can actually have a shot at winning one more, at least one more game.
0: So, when statistically, that's pretty meaningful across the entire thirty-two teams. Did you <laughs> did you see the Morning Brew comment on that when they announced Tom Brady retiring? It no, said I did. It not. was so fun. I thought it was so funny. It said Tom Brady who lost to the Philadelphia Eagles in 2000 in the Super Bowl oh, 2018 yes, that's right. re- retires from the NFL. I love that. that and, it, yeah. and the Giants did the same thing by the way in the New York press,
1: right? That they the headline in the uh, I think it was the it wasn't the New York Times, it might have been the New York Post, but it was one of the New York papers basically said Tom Brady, who
0: lost twice to the Giants in the Super Bowl, has retired. I, I think that wordplay is so fun. And of course, uh, you know, we have some Pittsburgh Steelers listeners and, and Ben Roethlisberger retired and it was covered in, the, right. Cleveland, it was covered in the Cleveland paper. And and the title, I don't, I'm going to get this wrong, but it was something like Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback retires, never able to beat the Browns in the playoff. So, I'm, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, beautiful, right? He was 0-1. I love it. <laughs> I love, of course, uh, we never we never were in the playoffs, so right. But anyway, nobody needs to know that. Uh, that's and right. To, to, that's to all. your point. You bring about. You talk about this a lot. You can spin the facts in your favor however you want to do it. And always absolutely make it that's
1: storytelling, my friend. Exactly. That is storytelling. We are not in the business of facts. We are yeah. in the business of making people oh, care it, about exactly. the facts. Yeah, well, actually,
0: speaking of the business of facts, we have a lot of lot of that to talk about today. So should be an interesting. Oh yes, show. we do, we do. We're going to talk
1: a little bit more about how seventies music hates Spotify uh, and Joe Rogan specifically, <laughs> uh, and whether we should actually pull our podcast from uh, Spotify. Um, we're going to also prove that there are happy endings here. Um, Wordle, uh, the immensely popular game, has been acquired by the New York Times, uh, surprising absolutely everybody and nobody at the same time, so we'll talk a little bit about that. and what uh, could have been, should have been, and what will be. Uh, We'll also talk about another happy ending for a company, uh, Pendo. The product development company has acquired Mind the Product Community, which is a media company, and just as content marketing as content marketing gets. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, rants and raves, where I'm going to rant yet again on zero-party data and the ridiculous stupidity that that is. Uh, And Joe is going to comment on a poll he ran on nfts and rant a little bit about our friend across the pond mark ritson who has a take on nfts so of Chaka
0: block a Chaka block wow. this abundant this sounds like a very this sounds like a very interesting show i'm, I'm very indeed. curious how it's going to turn out uh, <laughs> i can assure you that the uh it, it all turns out well in the end it will yeah. be audio. I can assure you, it will be a podcast by the end of it. That's what we can that's know right. for sure. Everything that's else, right?
1: There's that. There's that uh, great. Um, there's that great line uh, written by St- uh, Tom Stoppard in Shakespeare and Love when he says, uh, when "He says it's not the end yet." And and he's like, "How do you know?" He said, "Because it's it's not good." <laughs> he said, "It's always a happy ending, so it's <laughs> we're not at the end yet. <laughs> we're definitely that, not there." That's pretty good.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about Spotify here. So uh, we'll link a couple of uh, articles in the show notes here because there's just a lot to cover. But um, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Joni Mitchell, Nils Lofgren, India Ari, uh, and now uh, one of our favorite podcasters, Professor Galloway all of them saying, hey, we're out of here um, with what's going on with Joe Rogan and the controversy that we covered last week about uh, some of the guests he's had on his show and misinformation and what's going on on that show. In addition, uh, Mr. Rogan himself has uh, posted up on uh, Instagram, I believe it was, his reaction to it where he was pretty contrite, I have to say, interestingly enough, and I, I think rather surprisingly, um, we will say uh, it was a 10-minute video published to Instagram, and he kind of wound and weaved his way through that he's not spreading in this He kind of took a, I don't know what you thought about it, Joe, but he kind of took a, like, a, uh, oh, shucks, you know, I, I'm just some, you know, little guy that all of yeah. a sudden found himself with a big show, and, huh, huh, you know, I'm, you know, Gosh, you know, what What? what are you going to do? Right. Which is uh, yeah, struck me as both interesting as well as sort of like eh, a little disingenuous. But but anyway, uh, I'll stop there. What did you what do you think about where we stand now with uh, with Spotify, Joe Rogan and the litany of 1970s music stars? Yeah, exactly. That, Isn't that, are, funny? that are leaving the platform.
0: Well, good, good, good for Neil Young. He's got a lot of friends. I mean because they all yeah. came out in yeah. respect of him and and they said they actually said in all these releases that they were following his leads. So that's great and I'm surprised and I know we we've talked a little bit about it. I'm surprised more people joined Neil Young's battle, if you will. And it actually is getting some momentum. Um and then yeah, you can look at I mean, there's, it's, it's been in a lot of media articles that Spotify's stock took a hit when the market was up, Spotify goes down and and whatnot. I don't think that had much to, I don't think that had much to do with anything, to be honest with you. I think that's,
1: the market in general has been taking a huge hit over the last couple of weeks. And I think that's more to do with that than it is.
0: Well, I'm looking, I'm Uh, looking this up right now too. I mean, so Spotify came out. With results, this is breaking news. It was just came out an hour ago, and the the stock is down fifteen percent. Now this, see here, you know, you could talk about people you know, leaving the platform and whatnot and boycotts, but but the performance of Spotify, the company, is what yeah most right. stockholders care about, and um, they basically projected uh, a user forecast not as wonderful as as it's been so slower growth and by the way i mean we're not talking about facebook today but facebook i think had their biggest uh loss uh, percentage loss on a day ever today um did you it and i guess i'm looking at this which is just i don't want to get into a facebook conversation but they're down 79 points as of right now 25 percent down yeah uh for their user bases now so a lot of a lot of companies are, are challenged with those but you know back to spotify I, you know, I'm torn. I wanted to get your take on this, especially I was surprised with the Prof G move. I don't like the whole, whatever, cancel culture thing when you don't like something and you, you know, I think there's, I like what Neil did, made the, the stand. I, you know, okay, everyone's jumping on the bandwagon now. I mean, you you can throw it out there to our audience and see what they think that we should do. But Joe Rogan, for all of his faults, and I, I looked at the stuff. You're right. He's like, "Hey, I'm just an interviewer. I just I bring the expertise and there was talk where he would bring an expert on that maybe had one take and then he would bring a, another viewpoint on secondarily." I mean, could you imagine all the podcasts that would have to do that? <laughs> when you have Oh, we're talking about this they, "Oh, okay, you you said something controversial, so I have to bring another expert on." The A hey. Fox News is out. There's a lot of... There's left-wing shows that just focus on certain things. How far are we going to go, Robert? That's my take. Like, how far do you go until you say, look, every platform is biased. Every platform has their own biases. And is Spotify at fault for Rogan? And the last thing I'll say, and I want to get your take on it, is I, I keep thinking about... And I talked to you last episode about this. I keep thinking about Howard Stern... And serious. And people were, a lot of people, oh, Howard Stern. And even when he was on radio, it's like, oh, well, you know, he's vulgar and this and whatever and the sex and and all that. But Howard Stern was never uh, accused of misinformation. It was always vulgarity and taking it over too far, at least to my knowledge. This is where it's a little bit different, where people are saying that he's actually spreading lies. I guess how how the thought police, how much are we going to go forward and say, oh, this one, yeah, this one needs to be monitored. This one needs that parental advisory sticker on it. This one doesn't. Like, who's going to make that subjective decision? You want somebody like Zuckerberg to do that? Like, who <laughs> who do you want? Yeah, right. So, right. I don't know. What do you think about this whole thing? Well, here's what I think it is,
1: is, first of all, on Howard Stern, I think the only thing he really sort of got put under the the sort of thumb of was there was a, there was something that happened when he was on New York radio that had to do with someone committing suicide. And I thought that was the only time he's ever sort of run the risk of being canceled.
0: Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't, a lot of, there were a lot, I, mean, I don't yes, remember that the, was major, but a lot of other things, because when he was going, I mean, if you ever watched the movie private parts, which is a very yeah. interesting movie, he did a lot of things that, took it over, you know, as far as you possibly could. And then they pulled them from the air live one time. Um, the right. people at NBC did that. So anyways, right. go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt yeah.
1: you. Uh, no, it's all right. It, it's, 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 it's all good. Uh, you know, I think here's the thing I, I I've been reading a lot and looking at it a lot and, and listening a lot. And I think there are a lot of things that can be simultaneously true that make this more complex than not. Um, which is, you know, so I hear the arguments of those that are pulling their content from, you know, and, and again, we talked about this last week. You know, the cynical would say, well, you know, look at the bump that that uh, that Neil Young got from Apple and from competing services. And the money here has nothing to do with really anything because we're talking about streaming, you know, odd money and dough here, That's which is... Tiny in comparison to everything else, but I believe that all these people are earnest and in, in, in what they're doing. Like I said last week, I think Neil is 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 earnest in his belief here, and and I believe that all the people, including Galloway, are earnest about their discomfort with what they're doing. That can be true, mm-hmm. and they're right in their way. They are right in their way in their truth and what they believe in. They are right, you know, as you said, to pull their they can pull their content off anytime they want. At the same time, you look at Rogan and, you know, while I can look at it and go, okay, you know, he there's no doubt that he's uh, he's doing the both sides isms here. Right. Which is like, well, I'm just presenting both sides of the issue. And it's like, well, no, you're not really. I mean, you can't you know, you can't like be really hard on someone who's, you know, pro vaccination and just sort of let the anti-vaxxer who's talking about just ridiculous non-facts conspiracy theories and everything else and horrible, you know, alternatives to treatments that just go against the very facts of the, you know, of what's known in the world and call that sort of fair, you know, fair play, right? That's just not that's not the way this works. And you can also argue, which is also right, but then you can also argue that he's got a right to say anything he wants to say. It's his show. He can yeah. do whatever he wants and Spotify can do whatever they want. That's also right. Then you can also say he actually got a. And this was uh, Kara Swisher's uh, point, and I thought a really good one, which is uh, that it's it's basically, you know, he he's uh, he has now assumed um, greater responsibility because he's got ten million listeners every week you know in other words when you don't have that many listeners and you don't have that size of an audience yeah you can go off galloway actually talked about this he's like yeah when i had 25 followers i could say stuff like tesla's going to the you know tesla's going to double in value and it's because it's the biggest car company in the world and all that kind of stuff and then it's like no when i actually get a big audience i've got fact checkers who come to me and say Galloway, you can't say that anymore. Yep. You can't you can't you can't just spout that stuff off. You have a responsibility now that your audience is of size. And so she actually took and I think this is the really interesting thing, she was actually much more critical of Spotify in this situation than of Joe Rogan. Because believe him or not, and he basically said, "Look, I'm just I'm a guy trying to figure stuff out." Okay, I let's take him at his word there that he is just a guy trying to figure stuff out. Spotify is the one who's not putting any editing on this. And they're claiming that, oh, we're a platform like everybody. No, you're not. You're a media company. And a media company has a certain responsibility, just like any media company does, to edit. And there's a difference between editing and censorship, right? And that's the real difference here is that they, they have a responsibility here. So all those things can be true. And I think it's very, it makes it a very complex thing and a very personal thing and you know I think if we're honest you and me you know we look at it and go I I I actually did some self-reflection on it going well I wonder if we should pull our podcast off of uh you know uh, off of Spotify and then I said to myself as I was taking my long walk and thinking and listening and doing all that stuff and I said well a I'm not that passionate about this particular issue um I'm just not and two uh I look at it and go, okay, you know, it, I can see all those things being true. I, I believe Spotify when they say they're trying to do the right thing. I believe Joe Rogan when he says he's trying to do the right thing. And I believe the artists when they're doing trying to do the right thing. So at this point, I, I'm not going to contribute anything more to the argument by making some performative statement to say, we're pulling this old marketing off of Spotify. But... To the, what we were talking about pre-show, I'm willing to be wrong there. I'm absolutely willing to be wrong. If our audience came and said to us, you know, absolutely, you need to get off of this, right? You know, you this is horrible. Yeah. I I'd, I'd consider it. I'd consider it because you know at the at the end of the day, I, you know, we're 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 uh, you know we're trying to make a good show for the audience, and and so you know you have to sort of
0: weigh that as part of the decision as well. I hear what you're saying, but you can't look at this in a vacuum, and that's the issue that I'm. No, of having. course not. Absolutely you not could right. Say, Absolutely. Let, let's say that. Let's say we agreed and said, uh, you know what, don't like what Spotify's doing, let's move out that platform. Well, you know what, I don't like uh, Apple's labor practices in China. That's right. That's right. So that's right. And I don't like what Zuckerberg's done at Facebook. Now, I I used to own Facebook stock, which I've sold, and I sold it because. I felt I had a, you know, had some principles there, and I and I wanted off, and I knew they they made some moves that they knew were wrong around the election and all those things. But you know, where does it stop? I can find I can probably find something that I think is morally offensible with every company that dist- <laughs> distributes our podcast. That's why, by the oh, way, it, absolutely. That's sure, by the way owned. That's why email is so wonderful. Because, you know, we have a little bit more control over it and we're not beholden to these distribution platforms. But so that's my take. Where, do, where does it stop? Yeah. Where does it stop?
1: Agreed. Uh, totally agreed. And that's the conclusion I came to as well. Because and, and that's what I mean by this particular thing doesn't hit me. Like, I don't listen to Joe Rogan. Don't care about Joe Rogan all that much, to be honest. Um, never found him terribly entertaining at all. Tried listening to a few of his shows and just looked like, eh, fine. You know, he's a UFC fighter, a comedian. He's you know, I get that he's got an audience. Absolutely, it's just not my taste. So, and the whole vaccine thing is like, uh, you know, uh, I, I, uh, that's not that's not the hill I want to die on. You know what I mean? And in the contact context of everything else, right? You know, it's just not it's not the thing that. You know, grinds my gears to, yeah. to, to quote the Peter Griffin. You know, it's just I. That's you know. Uh, anyway, I won't get off of my own politics, but but it's 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 just you know I I I think it's uh I I think it's the kind of thing where you're absolutely right. It, it in the context of everything else, this is not it.
0: Right? This is not it. Yeah. I'll I'll come. I guess I. But have there a little may bit be something else. Yeah. I have a little bit of a different take, though, because I think you knew this, but between 2019, 2020, I listened to about one or two Joe Rogan episodes per week. It always depended on the guests, but I did, and I stopped listening to Rogan simply because some of the takes were just so crazy, in my opinion, and I couldn't take it anymore. So I made the individual decision to stop listening. I think that's what we should do. People can stop listening. And stop supporting Joe Rogan if they don't. Believe, just like they could stop supporting us. They they might not like our take, which a, a lot of people don't like our take. Great, you know what they do? They decide not to. And so that's where now. Some we don't have the power that a Neil Young apparently has. Who knew that he had so much sway yeah, and power? Well, right. Yeah, I had right, no exactly. idea. But yeah. So, uh, but but I, I as I said last week, I I applaud what uh, Neil Young has done even though he's giving up a couple hundred bucks to make that decision. But I know it's not a financial move um, because you just don't make a lot of money off of Spotify Spotify plays. Just like that's where musicians don't make their money, as most people know. But yeah, I think it's – so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I'm under the assumption that we'll cover it next week because either it'll go away or there'll be another dozen – high profile podcasters and musicians that continue to jump off the platform. The last thing I will say here is, and a lot of media media has covered this too, this is a bigger deal because Spotify is struggling a little bit right now. That's why Spotify is a little bit more concerned than normal. Because these little blips, you know, when Facebook was riding high and they just had results that blew through the roof. Yeah. That all the, you know, all those little lies and things that they did, not so big of a deal <laughs> to them. Right, that's right. Because it's well, just going crazy. It, well, now it's a little bit different. So so Galloway had a
1: great take on this as well. I mean, if you want to go into the, the interesting, uh, it's not really conspiracy theory territory, but it's close, which is he thought that he expected Rogan to double down and do this, basically push the edges to the point where Spotify is forced to cut him basically cut him from the team, which he believes that the way that the contract is structured with Rogan basically just accelerates his payments. And so basically he gets cut, gets his guaranteed money and goes off to some other network and makes a deal twice the size, right. Of a hundred million dollars. Yeah. And I'm like, "Eh, I'm not sure I buy that, but, but, but it's an interesting take for sure.
0: But I think we are all surprised at, even though it depends on the day that you get Rogan, but I was surprised that he softened. He he doesn't come yeah. across that way, but, no. but but if you do listen, I know you're not a listener, but if you do listen to, him, he has a sensitive side. I mean, he's not all UFC. He's not all horse pills or whatever oh, I else know. he's on. Oh, I mean, it's it's all oh, I know. He's he's a genuine he's a genuine human being in a lot of cases. And it, by the way, very good interviewer. He doesn't get crazy. Yeah, he's a great interviewer. Yeah. No, no, he's a great interviewer. So. He's a he's a fantastic interviewer
1: and extraordinarily successful, clearly, right? I mean, that's the that's kind of the thing. It's like, you know, I mean, a lot of this is is you know, he he has learning to do, right? I mean, he's got his own learning to do about what what works, what doesn't work and quite frankly what the responsibilities are when you reach that level you know when you reach the level that he's gotten I'm sure it's incredibly difficult to balance that kind of
0: stuff oh because I mean you you and I we have our own small audiences and we deal right. with stuff like this I can't imagine yeah. the pressure that's on from having 10 million plus listeners an episode or whatever he's got it's yeah pretty pretty amazing so yeah yeah, cuz we wouldn't All want right. that we wouldn't want that kind of listenership. Too much responsibility. No, no. We <laughs> like our we like to keep our podcast. No, you know we should mention. Uh, uh, we should mention our our email from our wonderful fan that sent us a note because she and she said she, we she loved our podcast, but she said would you please stop berating yourself on having a small little podcast with three <laughs> listeners. <laughs> And what did you say? It's like, so it's, like it's, it's hard. It's hard. I think you joked back and, and said, yeah, well, you know, well, okay, now we have four listeners or something like that. Yeah. I don't know what you said.
1: No, I just basically said, I said, well, uh, you're, you're the only one of the five that feel yeah, that exactly. way. Yeah, you know. exactly.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, anyway. Thank you all. Yeah, yes, We appreciate we every single one of you. Thank you for putting up with our nonsense. All right. Let's move on to another story. Um, much more happy stories to cover here. Uh, the first one, of course, coming to us courtesy of the Business Insider, and probably news to no one here, um, which is a, that Wordle. Um, are, are you a Wordle player? Did we just dis- did, we, did we discuss
0: this? Whether you're a Wordle player or not? I Joe? am not a Wordle. My 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 oldest is a Wordle player, but I am not. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: I have I have created a monster. Uh, my wife. She one day she says, "What's this thing that people are posting on Facebook? I don't get it." And I'm like, "It's a game. It's Wordle. You should try it." And my wife is a fanatic for games, and she's like, "Really? All right." She tried it once. I mean, it was like it 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 was heroin. I mean, it was literally wow. the, o- overnight. She I've was heard. like yeah. into it, you know. And so she's yeah, she can't stop. Um, the New York Times has uh, acquired the wonderful little game called Wordle, uh, which has grown, by the way. It was uh, started, and what we'll link to in the show notes is the sort of inside story of how it grew. Josh Wardle, uh, so that's his the creator's name, and obviously he named the game after his last name, created the game for himself and a partner uh, during the summer of 2021. Uh, by the end of the summer, about 90 of their close friends and family were using the game. He released it publicly in October. By November, it had 300,000 users By uh, the end of the year, it had about a million users, um, and by this recording today, a little more than two million users per day using the actual game, and of course, the New York Times steps in, and for what is estimated to be low seven figures, so a few million bucks basically, have purchased the game from Josh, who now has made millions of bucks and rides off into the sunset, and the New York Times is going to monetize this thing. I have a take on this from a content marketing perspective, but I'd love to get your take just generally on, you know, from the publishing perspective and the monetization perspective. What do you what do you think about all well, this?
0: Well, first of all, congratulations uh to oh, it's huge. It's yes, so, this is a, i bi- am so psyched for both of them. Exactly. I thought it was a great move. You and I both thought it was was brilliant. Um and it's funny when you read the commentary from the creator, he just said he wanted it to live on and didn't want to deal with the day-to-day of it anymore. It's and, and yeah, and found a really good home because you know what the New York Times has obviously a whole games division, and they take good care of these things. So I'm, and they'll they'll figure. I'm sure they'll figure it out how to keep it free and how to monetize it and those types of things. But I, it's funny. I I I think it was a Time magazine article uh, interview with with the guy, and he was talking about the pressure to monetize, and. I just thought of not only content marketers trying to you know, show kind of revenue from the content, but content creators that try to drive revenue so fast. And here is a really good example of someone that says, look, I just want to make a really good game. I want to keep it going well. I want to, you know, and once it started, I just want people to love it and keep using it and share it and didn't monetize early and gets a payoff because of it. Can you imagine if after, you know, he got 2,000, users or something put a paywall on it. Could you imagine them right. do, and this and by the way a lot spread. Yeah, it a lot of creators spread. do that. They're like, "Oh, I got 2000 email subscribers. Let's go with a paid sub model." I'm like, "What?" Yep. Like you're too early. You haven't gotten to what we call a minimum viable audience yet. Um, so this is a really good case of and by the way, Wordle hasn't even gotten there yet cuz who knows how big this thing would get. And still, it's still rising. It's a meteoric rise as we go. So that yeah, was the learning for right. me. Well, first of all, this was a very smart move by a media company. Moving fast. This is really quick work for really a venerable fast. media company like New York Times to buy something like this. Yep. And I heard there was a lot of negotiation back and forth. As I said, I did think it was going to be a bigger deal. But I'm sure high seven figures, the guy's really happy with it. Had $100 outside of people costs, $100 a month in cost to do this. Folks, yeah, so it's unbelievable i mean, believable. Yeah. So, but I think it's, it's a good a, lesson. It's, it's a good lesson for content. Oh, readers.
1: it's such a great story. Yeah. No, it's such a great story, and yes, t- tons of lessons in here for for everybody to look at. You know, and and a little bit of lightning in a bottle. Let's be honest, right? You know, th- th- this is not this is not normal. Um, and trying to capture this kind of lightning in a bottle is 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 very very rare. Um, but I would say this from I, I agree with you hundred percent that the the lesson for content creators here is, you know build an audience and then figure out you know your your monetization schemes and then be very careful about it because, you know, he, he he clearly had no plans, right? It's not like he, it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go way out on a limb and say he, you know, he didn't build this thing with the idea of flipping it into, you know, a media company and basically saying, oh, I'm going to sell this to the, you know, he, he may have had some sort of <laughs> journaled passions about what he expected to be, you know, but who knows, right? He's just a, it's a software developer. And so great ending for him. The other thing that strikes me so much here is the, the speed at which the New York Times moved here. Recognizing that this thing was going to, it was lightning in a bottle and that they needed to bottle it. And uh, that is just amazing to me that the, that a company like the New York Times can move that quickly. And it, what it reminds me of um, and I've actually said this to a couple, I sent this to a couple of clients You've got to be prepared to move this quickly, right? This is the this is the pace at which marketing and content marketing work these days. And you know, if I'm a healthcare company, for example, an insurance company, or let's say a retailer, I mean, this, you know, how perfect would have this been for somebody like a a a Walmart or somebody who's trying to get millennials to come into a physical place, you know, where you, where, when you're in the physical place, you can actually get a bonus Wordle game or, you know, whatever it is, right? There's so many ways you can, your imagination can start to work with how a brand, you know, could have, A, screwed this up completely, but B, done well, could have done exactly what the New York Times did, right? And made this an asset. And then just keep this in mind as, and it's top of mind for me because of the time of year that it is that this whole thing, this thing that has a built-in audience and, by the way, will be a long-lasting asset for the New York Times for, you know, who knows, a year, two years, ten years? Does it become the New York Times crossword puzzle? Nobody knows. But certainly more than a month, it will will continue to live and serve as an asset for the New York Times, and it was bought for less than the price of a Super Bowl ad. And think of of all the big brands out there that are going to spend – five, six, seven million bucks on a 30-second spot in this year's Super Bowl and it could have instead had a working, monetizable audience with a platform like this if they had just thought to acquire it, It that to me is, you're leaving money on the table. It, so yeah. just, just, just a thought.
0: That's a really great example. I'm, I'll share a, a story because I think it's really rele- relevant. You know this story, but back in 2011 when we... Launched Content Marketing World. It was nothing at this point. So this is spring of 2011. The first Content Marketing World ne- hadn't happened yet, but we we had some good momentum going. I got a call from a publisher and said, "Joe, can can you and your wife come and see us? And we'd like to talk about your company." Said, so, "You know, great. Yeah. We'll pay your way, whatever." I sat in that meeting. So this is before we didn't have a dime going for Content Marketing World, and there was a million dollar offer on the table for us, which. I mean, I had no—I mean, and no clue. I knew nothing from nothing. I'm like, are you kidding me? Whatever. And we ended up, you know, we ended up saying no. It wasn't the the price was great, and we were honored. But I felt that there were bigger things to be had. But afterward, I asked this person. I said, "What's with that? Like, we we didn't even have anything. Like, why are you? Thank you for the offer, but why do you do this?" And I really got an education. Said we have a strategy of doing this. We will look at companies that are launching amazing content products, brand new. They don't know the value yet, and we don't even know the value yet, but we'll take, we'll take a small bet, and a million dollars for them was a small bet. We'll take a small bet and try to take this and capitalize on, a, on a, an idea or a thought or an audience that we didn't uh, do ourselves. And I just thought that that was brilliant. And you know that this is what, I would imagine the first person that got this at New York Times said, hey, there's something here. Let's move quickly. But there are in, this is a media company, publishing company, best practice, and all of us can learn this. So if you see somebody that's identified a niche, uh, an audience, a content project, whatever it is, there's an opportunity there for you to go in early and say, hey, I like what you're doing. Can Can I buy you? Can I partner with you? You know, yep. so I, I love I loved what they did. This is lightning speed for anything in media, anything in MA, frankly. And uh yeah. and again and again to your point, this is a win win all the way around, in my opinion.
1: Oh, totally. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's it's a total win win. And well, speaking of wins, um, you know, the <laughs> the next story that we have which is also a big win for two companies. Same kind of deal. You talk about uh, that, you know, seeing the opportunity here. Uh, and this actually contains some friends and family of, the, uh, of our show here, which is Pendo, uh, which is a company that provides like analytics and foundational sort of performance insight for other companies that have software products. So in other words, they're sort of the behind the scenes, how's your software product doing kind of platform. Uh, has bought acquired a media company in mind the product. So mind the product being a community, a training, news, I mean basically the CMI, if you will, of event um, site of yeah. product market. They've got a great management. Event. Yeah. And they got a big event, right, that they do. And so they have actually acquired that um, and become part of Pendo. I mean this is this is the acquisition and content marketing sort of at its heart. Um and congratulations to Joe Chernoff, who we've known forever. Um, Joe is such a great guy, and basically, uh, I'm sure was one. I mean, I don't know this; I don't have inside knowledge of this. But knowing Joe, he was a huge driver of this. I'm so sure. Yeah, congratulations absolutely. to him and the whole Pendo and Mind the Product team. It's a, it's a, it's a fantastic acquisition, uh, and yet another data point in our in our ongoing list of companies getting acquired. Um, so well, did you have anything to add to that? I well, mean, yeah, what, I mean, I, take on I think
0: there's a bigger issue. And we talked about the, you know, when HubSpot did their thing with the hustle. And ever since then, we've been talking about the, this is going to take off and it continues to prove out that this is happening. I think events are an interesting space. And I've said this before, but I think events and print magazines are going to be the targets for brands uh in in 2022 2023 because you see you actually see that there's a lot of you know the event industry is a tough one right now i can tell you that firsthand and There are opportunities for acquisitions there. We know the struggles and the challenges in the print market, but there's a lot of assets there. There's really good brand value. There's amazing teams. You've talked about this many times. A lot of times these deals are done to inherit the staff and to inherit the expertise that you get from a content perspective. So I just think that, again, we're going to see so many more of these deals happen and congratulations to Dependo and Mind the Product, but. I think they're still not being taken advantage of as much as they should. And this could be small companies too. I think what a lot of small company uh, business owners, marketers discount it and say, oh, we can't afford these types of deals. You'd be surprised is my response. You'd be surprised. Sometimes right. these deals are valued way different. Sometimes you have an owner that just wants out and wants to see good things happen for the product and for the audience. So you have to, you can't get the sale unless you ask, right? And you have to do your homework before you ask for the sale. So I would just keep your list is what I would recommend to everyone. Do what Pendo did. I'm sure they had a list of companies that they were looking at and they decided to go with this one. And they probably still continue to grow that list. I can tell you that big billion-dollar companies like HubSpot and Salesforce, they're doing the exact same thing. And so what innovative companies do, I would pay attention to. And this is what's going to happen the next two years
1: here's just one quick thing because um, i know we want to get to ransom raves here because we have fun stuff to talk about there but i'm just going to add this one thing because i think it's important to the point you just made which is that list um, i literally had this conversation this week with a client so this client uh, is a b2b uh, technology company software company of size um, not you know not not an SAP or a Microsoft kind of big, but it but but a big ish company. And the interesting thing was they were talking about they have a, a a a working let's call it a working content platform, content marketing platform, a blog, um, and it's doing fine for them. It's doing what it's supposed to do, right? It's driving traffic. They can point to it, you know, generating leads. It's doing great mm-hmm. in SEO, and it's doing just fine. They have been talking about. Adding to it, right? In other words, adding another experience to a higher uh, a higher level audience. In other words, instead of making it a how-to blog, basically making it a more of a industry change or uh, a a teaching blog about trends, you know, and sort of you know basically talking about it at a a slightly higher level than how to do this thing, right? Yeah. Um, That they do, and so the the question on the table is do they, how do they launch this new thing? and they have to go get permission, obviously, from the leadership team? And what we discovered actually just like asking and asking and asking and asking, you know, getting you know getting in because one of the pushbacks from the leadership team was why do we want to create a separate thing? Why not just add content to the existing how-to blog that's, you know, more, you know, more broad in nature? Just basically make it a, you know, sort of solve all the problems. And of course, we go back to our one audience, one platform, one experience, you know, very focused, very clear, all those kinds of things, and they're just not getting it. But what they're, what, but what we discovered in really getting to it was what they weren't getting was what's the use of content marketing in that platform, all platforms, full stop, right? They just weren't getting that. So adding something to them was confusing them, was it's like, I don't even get the first thing, why are you talking about adding a second thing? And what we, what we got to the point was is that they were actually really open to monetizing in multiple ways whether it be like you know Cleveland Clinic is doing through advertising and sponsorships or subscriptions or you know they were actually really open to that kind of thing they just didn't get it and i said who's who is in your space right now that what media company is in your space that's actually doing this successfully and they were like oh well there's this person this person and i'm sure there's others and i'm like you need to make a list yep Because if you can make that list, you may not go acquire them, but what you're doing is you're proving the case that attracting and building that audience is actually worth something because somebody's built a company around it. And if somebody can build a company around it, you can certainly build a marketing strategy around it. So that list becomes not only a potential acquisition list, but it's who do you want to be and compete with for the attention of your consumer? That's what we need to understand, and it, and it's truly
0: valuable to do that. It's such a great point. And what's frustrating is, and you've seen some of the great content marketing case studies or even real really tries, and to you know take some six nine months to get it going, and you know get buy in, and then get it in and then get some results, and then you know you got to fight that battle. And, right. and and i'm always impressed that they can get through all that process but what they what almost in every case they never did was before they created the whole thing to check if they could purchase something for right. for a, to your point almost nothing in a marketing and sales budget they could have done yeah, this that's the thing and again a lot, right. a lot i mean i come from from media you know you come from in a lot of cases media as well you know growing back and when when web one was a was a thing. And we, and, <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that crazy? Are now? you saying I'm old, Joe? Is that you saying? I'm, I'm, old? I'm saying world is, yeah. is, is, is what oh, I'm okay. saying. All right. But I don't okay, think a lot of people you. realize in publishing, like the first rule is if before you create it, see if you can buy it. I mean, that's yeah, the that's right. first rule of growing. Um, Instead of, of course, you want to grow organically, but if there's something already available that you can purchase that you can get a head start with, you absolutely do that. And by the way, to your point, take out some competition as well. So I I just, I just wish and the talent and
1: and the talent acquisition and the, I mean, especially today with the the difficulty in getting hires and team and talent and remote
0: work and I mean it's just I mean good
1: Lord it's just it, it's just it's like it's
0: it, it's right there well, it's staring you in the face <laughs> well and here's the thing that I've always had with market marketing curriculums at colleges they don't teach m a at all it's and and I think oh, that don't get me started on marketing well I mean it's, I mean, it's that's, yeah that's, you, that's you a I mean whole we could, other you yeah. go a bunch of different places with it but how many really smart marketers do you talk to that know anything about m a very few none very zero few. exactly Unless they got it, they probably got it somewhere else before they became a marketer. They were in finance or whatever. They were doing operations side. So this is this is any content marketers listening to this get get trained on acquisition and acquiring companies. Right, it's going to be really and by the way, it's not skill.
1: that hard. No. It's not that difficult. You you already know most of it. So well, I don't yeah. know if I'd say that, but. but it's important.
0: It's important. All right.
1: It is important. It is important. All right, let's get to our rants and raves because we have some fun stuff to talk about here. Um, this is the part of the show where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like we're getting paid to tank Uh, or we're not getting paid to tank. We're actually trying to win. Um, uh, hey, so, uh, should I go first or you go first? Why
0: don't I go first here? Because yours is much more interesting, actually. Oh, well, I don't know about um, that. But go ahead. Because I love when you rant on zero-party data. So let's, well, let's okay. listen to this. Yeah.
1: yeah. OK. Yeah. I'm going to be quick. I'm going to be quick about it because I I, I, I I get the feeling sometimes that people go, oh, he's going to go off about this again. But, but here's the thing. You know, you know that meme like you know stop trying to make fetch happen. Fetch is not going to happen. Um, I just wish they would stop trying to make zero party data happen because it's just it's just silly. Um, I got my dutiful marketing brew. Um, love that newsletter by the way, it's just a great newsletter. Um, and the headline this was yesterday. Yesterday's uh, marketing brew is zero party data a real thing. As you might imagine, I click through.
0: <laughs> I wonder why particular yeah. one.
1: Yeah, um, and uh, the author uh, talks about that. You know, there. I guess there was a Twitter uh, sort of debate um, going back and forth, which is what inspired the the the, the newsletter and the article here. Um, but basically. He's the article is basically saying tomato tomato what is it you know is it a thing is it not a thing and it uh, gives a pretty good primer on both sides of the uh, of the argument here um, and the I guess what I want to rant on is just that is just that this continues to be a discussion because it's just not it, it's not a thing and, and it's just confusing the issue this is the 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 idea of zero party data is just, confusing what is important about first-party data and by separating it out the idea is is that in some way you're still going to be responsible for data scraping and pulling all of this what they what what the proponents of zero-party data would call first-party data that which the consumer doesn't give you willingly and the data that they do give you willingly now I understand there's a distinction there. I understand that there's a distinction between the data that they explicitly give me, in other words, their name, their address, their phone number, the email address, whatever it happens to be, and the data that I get, collect from their browsing uh, behavior, the things that they buy, the sites that they visit, all those kinds of things. Now, the key in all of that is it's still all first party data because why I'm the first party collecting it I am the first part this is the definition of first party data it is that it's just that simple it is not it is not any more complicated than that second party data is that data that we get from second party providers like when you go to a conference and you go you know you share a list right with your conference providers or you scan their badge at a, you know and you give that data to them as a as a sponsor of that conference that's second party data third party data is the data that you get from third parties right from parties that are actually separate from you completely separate from you and you're using their data as you know in a way to to do targeting or whatever you're doing what has been going on, of course, for everybody realizes, is, is that third-party data is becoming very hard to get and less so, or more so, because of privacy concerns and all those kinds of things. Second-party data, as a result of that, will also become more scarce because of the value increase in first-party data and how valuable it's becoming. To we've talked about this ad nauseum on this show, and I have ranted about it before in other places that first party data is one of the key assets that we get out of content marketing programs and the things that we do that deliver value to our customers the whole point of first party data is that our customer willingly gives it to us that when we use that data you know whether it's their preferences that i want to you know stay on a high floor versus a low floor in a hotel or my preferences for a particular newsletter subscription or my, my answers to a poll or a quiz, I'm giving that data to the actual uh, organization based on my expectation of value back, back out of it. That's it. It's first-party data. That's all it is. And basically, if you were to take zero-party data's definition at its face— That could also be second-party data and third-party data because it's just data that I willingly gave somebody and then they gave somebody else. So the confusion here is what bugs me and annoys me because I have clients, marketing people, who are – Asking me like, well, should we have a first-party data strategy and a zero-party data strategy? No, Gah. and 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 basically, it's it's providing all of this very confusing thing when people start putting in policies, when people start putting in technology, when people start putting in all these things that are just it's just and it's all basically the brainchild, um, you know, of a group that is trying to distinguish. They're trying to make fetch happen. They're trying to make this thing happen in a way that inbound marketing happened and the way that account-based marketing happened and the way that content marketing happened, you know, in a way that says, no, it's different. It's absolutely di-, – and it's not. It's just not different. And I wouldn't care normally that it's different, but in this case, it's actually confusing. It's confusing to the marketplace. And so that's the part that bugs me. So, yeah, that that's my rant.
0: Who started the whole zero party thing? Forrester? Forrester. Forrester. And how how back in twenty eighteen. And how much do you hate it? It was actually
1: it would act (laughs) (laughs) look. I (laughs) well yeah Yeah. 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 Yeah, no co no comment. Don't, Don't
0: answer that question. Well, no, no, no. Here's
1: what I'm gonna say. Here's what I'm gonna say. Is that to be clear, there's some you know, there's a there's a company called Cheetah Digital. Um, which is an agency, um, I believe, most for the most part, they and Forrester sort of came up with it together. Um, And it came out in a Forrester thing, and Forrester has been sort of driving it since. Um, And then a few startups that are, and some of them, by the way, I've had conversations with their CEO over the last couple, because I've been ranting about it. Those CEOs have been reaching out to me going, hey, you know, we kind of get it, but, you know, what do you think about this? And I'm like, it's great. I want the the idea of zero-party data is absolutely phenomenal. It's just not a different name. It's just first-party data. So, yeah, so Forrester is who I blame, basically.
0: Well, um, I, I still felt like you held back a little bit on that rant, but, you know, maybe you could try harder next time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I thought you did. <laughs> Tell us how yeah. you really feel, Rose. Yeah. Um, all right. So here's a little bit, yeah. a little bit of fun here. Talk about uh, NFTs. So I yeah. did a poll. This started actually a poll yesterday, and the poll. This, I did this on uh, LinkedIn. By the way, LinkedIn is a great place to to do polls. Um, I don't know why, but anyways, I asked. well, that's what they say. That's what they no, they say. That's they what they basically say. If, that's if
1: you want an engagement, run a poll. That's, it. that's why you're seeing like, what's your favorite color, blue or pink? You know, it's like, yeah, exactly. That's what trend, I, anybody,
0: mine was, you're way actually way using more sophisticated. It for what it's supposed to be. I was yeah. talking about NFT. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I basically, right. I asked what's your current NFT status? Yes. I own at least one. No, but considering no. And I will never buy one. And what's an NFT. Those are the four choices. Do you want to take a guess at which one won out of those? I, I have no, I, I mean, I
1: want to know the answer badly, but I have zero idea how this is going to fly. Okay. Gonna
0: 453 votes in just a day, which is I thought it was pretty good. That's, yeah. that's great. Yeah, amazing, right? Okay, so yes, I own at least one, 14%. No, but considering 31%. No, and mm. I will never buy one, 41%. What's wow. an NFT, 15%. So if you look at this and you say, let's put the no, I will never buy one and what's an NFT and the what the heck is this? This is stupid. 56% of right. the, the majority yep. are in the one camp and they're solidifying their stances in that camp and I'll tell you they're very loud because <laughs> they basically will say this is the stupidest thing ever and whatever and and I put and then I took a screenshot of this and put it out on Twitter and I just put it out as more a reminder to myself and I said just a reminder how early we are just a reminder how early yeah. we are in this, because you have you have a lot of people that are like this is stupid, whatever they've heard NF- NFTs and people, and they're like ah, this is crazy. So, anyways, I want to keep that in in your mind, and then I want to go to our friend Mark Ritson's article, and this is in Marketing is Week. He a
1: friend? No. but he would, he, no, would he say I, that w- we're a friend? No.
0: I think He wouldn't even know. He, he wouldn't know yeah. me from Adam. He would. Right, he doesn't even know who the hell he, we are, he right? doesn't yeah. even He doesn't even know me. I I think we've traded. LinkedIn things, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, so this is in Marketing right. Week, uh, January 26th of this year. It's The title is NFTs Are Just Marketing's Latest Idiot Magnet. And I really don't have to go that much into the article because that's pretty much what the article is about and how this is the latest fad. You've got to be an idiot for trying it. And I'm just I'll read. Let's see. I'll read something. So, so here, I'll, I'll read this one so people can get a feel for what Mark's talking about. Um Says, it's a sad state of affairs when older and more experienced marketers are too confused or too afraid of their idiot marketing boss to be able to call out the pointlessness of NFTs and all the other hoo-ha that obscures the mission of marketing. (laughs) (laughs) Project much, Mark? Uh, Anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt there. And of course, they did the standard throw Gary V under the bus as well, which seems to be in every article uh, about bashing NFTs this is the this is what bothers me and not just mark's article you can take it for what it's worth and i don't mind having a you know i posted it in our discord at the tilt just to, so people could see this is what this is what the general feeling is about nfts but this is what and you'll you'll see this as familiar as well but i remember when people came out the same time if you think about the the technology uh, evolution here said um it's it's stupid to have a website. What a waste of resources! Remember that 97, yep, 98, course, 99. Yep, yep, you were there. You were yep. you were creating them. Oh yeah, and you I had people that say this is resource. the stupidest yeah. thing ever. Why even waste your resources? Yep. I remember it again in two thousand six, two thousand seven. They said Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, stupid, waste of time. Wouldn't even wouldn't even look at it. Well, here we are <laughs> with NFTs. And I can tell right away when somebody hasn't even experimented with it. And this is all, and I don't, by the way, I don't fault people for, for thinking anything. You could think, we, we talked about this with Joe Rogan, you can think whatever you want. I don't care. It's a free world. Um, but if you are going to p- go out on a ledge, I don't know if Mark does, but go out and say, this is how I feel, and you're all idiots for thinking this, you have to at least. Be curious enough to try it, to, to get a MetaMask account. This is what I recommend everyone do. Get a MetaMask account. Go put a little bit of ETH in it. Get involved in a community. Not a lot of time commitment, but get involved in the community. Buy an inexpensive NFT and just go through the process. Why, why they created it? What is the marketing aspect of it? Is there a point to it? Is there a mission? What about the community? You learn a lot of things, actually by doing these kinds of things. And to a T over the last two, three days, when I've been seeing all this feedback and including Mark's, everyone that comes out and says, this is the stupidest thing ever. They haven't done those things. They haven't been curious enough to get past the point where they were with a website in the late nineties and social media in the mid two thousands. And here we are with web three and I don't know where it's going. I, I'm honest about that. I, I think there's a business model here. It feels like there's something that that's in play for content creators and marketers, uh, but I'm not 100%, but I'm gonna go along and try to learn it because what you and I are curious. I think it's important as a marketer to be curious. And I think that's the, the when we get stuck in these old tried and true ways, just like when I was in media in the early 2000s and they said, we don't have just go double down on print. Let's put everything into print. Let's just double down. Let's not experiment in certain areas because this is just a fad. Well, yeah, a lot of those print publishers are now out of business or they're looking for work or whatever. Yeah. So that's that's what I would say. So I wasn't surprised yeah. by Mark's article. It was sort of Mark Ritson flair. That's sort of what he does. And he's yeah, really good at it, by the way. Mark being Mark, yeah. Really good at yeah, yeah. it. Very clever. But Very clever. I, but I have a distinct feeling he has not been curious enough to at least try, so that he could come at it from a different point of view. So,
1: well, if,
0: if, well, if you take him at his
1: word, he did right. I mean, he actually built a NFT about. He actually, I haven't investigated this yet, but apparently, at the end, he actually built an NFT of this article. So,
0: oh, well, you know. I, no, no, no. I, I, what I'm saying is, yes, yeah. He, of course, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about no, no, no involved, I a community I, I, that actually yeah, yeah, has a yeah, yeah, mission. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Well, he could. Yes, he sort of faked his so way. So here's, there. yeah, absolutely. right.
1: I have a, I have a slightly different take, but one that doesn't disagree. It's a yes you and for, for sure for you what could you could just disagree. No, I'm not disagreeing at all because the you know I mean look we've you and I have had plenty of uh, of not you know discussions. I would like to call them yeah. right rather than. You know, we've had true discussions around differing opinions around the idea of NFTs. You know, and especially early on, but certainly I took your advice and did exactly that. Right, I went and dived in and dove in, <laughs> divin in, divin <laughs> whatever in. the right participle of the word verb is. Um, I went, I, I went all in. And did hashtag all the things, um, and still are, am doing hashtag all the things, and am still of the opinion that most of the NFT stuff that is out there, let's call it ninety x percent of it, is silly. Which which it, you it, and I are silly. in
0: agreement about, right? Which, which we know.
1: So, there are a lot of silly. However, of right. However, that does not you know both again. This goes all the way back to our discussion about the Joe Rogan thing. To, we can hold two you know opposing thoughts in our head at the same time, <laughs> right That there can be silly things out there as well as useful things out there. And it goes back to the discussion we had, I think it was a couple of weeks ago when you know there was all the blogs around this as well from some of this um, you know from other discussions, which we, we said basically this should ra- the, the idea here should be a discussion, not a debate. Right. We should not be throwing everything out, which is what Mark is doing here. The thing that I really object to in this article, and again, he's a great writer. He's a very clever writer here. But the thing that I really object to is the sentence that comes before the one you read, which he said, basically, they operate as perfect idiot magnets, like the love for a Gary V talk or a fascination with Bitcoin. NFTs are the latest handy dandy distraction that can help you work out which marketers know what they're doing and which are trendy, underqualified tech heads who are not worth a chair. I say, do that at your own risk, boy. If you don't listen to some of the things that are coming out of the new "quote unquote" tech heads that are, are are out there experimenting with this stuff, you do so at your own risk of getting left behind. Because whether or not you're right, whether or not you know this is the this is a huge thing, whether this is a minimal thing, whether this is a middle of the road thing, what is true is that. Some of the people that are that are really working hard on this stuff are brilliant people and will be the next generation of marketers, communicators, and technologists that are going to take whatever it is into the next uh, in, into the next era. And so yeah, I, but my, my point, you know, there is no reason to throw everybody under the bus here with the tenor of this discussion, right? Yeah. So in other words, I don't care that he doesn't believe. I care about the the tenor in which he basically is saying that everybody who's working on this is 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 silly because that's boy that's just a you know I mean <laughs> If I'm his psychologist, I'm saying, you know, again, project much. I mean, you know, are really, this, you know, have you, did you have a bad night, Mark, and looking in the mirror, and really things didn't go your way, and those bags under your eyes from the scotch you've been drinking are just a little too big. You know, whatever those things are, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Oh, because, that's so. You know, you know, it's it it, it this is, something's going to happen here, and we there's lots of room for discussion. But throwing everybody under the bus is not the way to get well,
0: there. Well, I think we have to stop with the, oh, um, well, there's 4chan and Facebook, so the internet is bad. Like, to your point, That's using right. one or two things and say, oh, this is why NFTs, this is why social tokens, this is why uh, DAOs, whatever the case is, this is why it's bad because of that. And, and we see it in everything, right? Not just marketing. But I think we just need to identify it and say... Yes, there are bad players yeah. in everything. Please look
1: beyond the surface. I'm going to make a. There's a book recommendation I'm going to make for everybody on the show, and, and this is I want, This is my homework assignment to you all. There is a book by another marketing professor, uh, one who I believe is brilliant. His name is Roger Martin, Canadian professor uh, of marketing. He wrote a book called The Opposable Mind. Basically, how successful leaders win through what he calls integrative thinking, which is basically, at its very fundamental level, is how do we hold two opposing thoughts in our head at the same time and work it out? And it's a great book, and it's one that, you know, from the Joe Rogan thing to this thing to everything we've talked about on this show— is, would be help for everyone. Say it again so I can, and I'll put in the show notes. The Opposable the, Mind. What is the it? Upo- the Opposable Mind. Yeah. It's by Roger Martin, who is, by the way, follow him on Twitter and read his stuff because he's
0: a we'll brilliant the show level notes. marketing person. Yeah. Good deal. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right. Well, what do we
1: got? What do we got? What do you got this week? Oh. You're working on CEX, I'm well, sure. Well, I'm working
0: on CEX stuff, but right now we're getting, uh, you know, winter in Cleveland. I mean, it is, Oh right! Yeah, it's cold, yeah. it's snowing. Uh, I mean, all the, today, this is Thursday, all the schools were canceled and there's nobody outside. And, you know, this is, as I told you before, we make the choice yeah. for some reason to live in Cleveland. And if you do, this is what you get. So we're getting one of those yeah. February days and I'm sure it's, it's 70 degrees and lovely in L.A.
1: It's actually seventy-two oh, degrees geez. today in, uh, in in Los Angeles, and beautiful, <laughs> brilliant sunshine. And I'm going to get out and take a hike later. And yeah, it's 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 this is this is why we live in Southern California. Yeah, I won't be going
0: out <laughs> the rest of the week. I'll be here, so I'll yeah. probably be I'll probably be indoors until the Super Bowl. That's what I'm thinking.
1: Oh, there you go. So, there, you yeah. go. So there you go. all there. Bengals Super Bowl Bengals I for now I mean we'll talk about this of course next week but Bengals uh, uh Rams you got a prediction
0: Uh well the the Bengals have shown they can win uh, in any game uh but I think the better team is the Rams I expect the Rams to win but if I have a lot of friends that are Cincinnati fans and even though they're in the same division you know I don't dislike Cincinnati, like I dislike other teams, so and I like Joe Burrow, yeah, right. I'm a Joe Burrow fan, I like what he's done. Joe Burrow's awesome yeah, yeah. i i i don't i I won't care yeah, but if it's the n f l this year, you'll see an overtime yeah. last second they've had some a great run of amazing games, so
1: they have indeed there you go. without them tanking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are signing off of this episode. And if you want to get all the goodness, including the show notes and the book recommendations, I mean, come on, what more do you want? Dive into any of the other 308 episodes. Get on over to our website, thisoldmarketing.site. Remember, some reviews would be nice. Uh, sharing it out would be nice. Finding other people who enjoy this kind of stuff would be nice, especially for those who maybe don't want to subscribe to it on on uh, on uh, the Spotify. Anyway, I don't. I have no idea what I'm even talking about. Remember. Remember. Remember, hashtag us up at This Old Marketing on Twitter. We love your story ideas, too. Um, And until we meet again, remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.